Alrighty guys, welcome to the very first episode of the Build Your Instincts podcast. My name is David Crane and along with Lachlan Simpson, my co-host, today we're going to be chatting about strength and some definitions of strength, how we build strength and also how we set someone up like long term to develop some really sustainable strength outcomes over a long trajectory as well. So there's a few different directions we go in this one, but it's kind of just is centered around building that strength um, as an attribute in your training. If you do enjoy the podcast, feel free to share it with someone. That's probably the best way you can support us at the moment. Um, you can just say, hey, these guys are pretty cool. I enjoyed their chats and um, hopefully you will too. So without further ado, this is How to Build Strength with David Crane and Lachlan Simpson. Long-term strength gains is what we're talking about today. And um, I think whenever we talk about strength, it's kind of important to lay a bit of context with it because like uh, at least in our world of strength and conditioning, like there's so many different types of strength, right? Like there's absolute strength, there's strength endurance, there's just like functional strength. There's a lot of different ideas about, you know, what strength is. So I think, maybe for the purpose of this conversation, we can chat about strength is just like very generalized strength in terms of like, you know, being strong in your body, having a functional system, and then also just being like strong for life kind of thing, like, you know, into mm. your old age. Mm. Yeah, that's huge. Like defining it and everyone's definition is going to be so different. Like, mm. like I know when I look at a conventional definition of strength and it's like ability to produce maximal force. Yeah. And- like it doesn't really match up with how I view strength as a concept. Mm. Um, but I, I obviously get that that's what strength output is. But I yeah, guess yeah. in my own training, like I look at it from so many different lenses. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we can talk about like what we think, um, like if we were going to give like a sort of broad definition of strength and what that would look like. Mm. So maybe this conversation is defining strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defining and building strength. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think for me, like, if I'm thinking about strength, because, like, I think, well, at least for both of us through our athletic backgrounds, playing rugby and stuff like that, we've probably always possessed definitely higher than average strength levels um, just through training and through that being a big part of our lifestyles. But I think a lot of the people I've worked with as well, it's just really about like being able to create tension through large ranges of motion and sort of being able to use that as a way to navigate your movement. So like being able to, um, you know, like if you're trying to improve a squat pattern or something like that, it's like looking at, okay, like what sort of structures are we trying to get strong? Where are we weak? What sort of things are limiting as well? Like where are joints tight? where are they maybe losing tension if you're um, not able to coordinate properly, things like that. So it's really just about like finding, okay, like, first of all, what are we trying to improve? Um, And then where are we trying to create tension and maybe where are we trying to relax a bit more? So that spectrum is more calibrated to like the adaptation when trying to drive as well. Is that sort of how you think about it? Yeah. I think the big point there is like, what are we trying to improve? Yeah. So, like, yeah, relevant to our backgrounds, like playing 
sports and, and that side of things. It's very sport specific, increasing leg strength to produce more power, like to increase power output is a very re relevant pursuit, but maybe for someone else, it's not at all. So for that individual driving up squat strength would be quite mm. appropriate, but for say someone that wants to, um, another, like a swimmer, it's going to be completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So maybe it's just like, yeah, coming back to, um, like someone who just wants to get stronger, maybe doesn't necessarily have like a particular sport they're training for, but more or less just looking to improve their, um, their function in life. And also like, you know, have some performance goals as well. Like they might be trying to get stronger in like a back squat or um, a deadlift or like, you know, more of the traditional lifts. Cause I think the other thing is like, you know, you can, like, we're not, we're not necessarily trying to build like super elite level powerlifters mm. with those three things, but, or two things rather, but we can talk about like how we can use that as a vessel. Like if someone's got a goal to get a better back squat or a stronger back squat, how we can use that to actually create a better life for them as well. Mm. So like if they've got that goal of like, I can think of numerous clients at the moment that I'm working with that again, like they're not like, trying to be powerlifters or anything but we're using like squat deadlift bench press um to drive you know strength adaptation and we're using that that stuff to really like make them really healthy long term as well so it's like this idea of okay we can use like really acute performance outcomes to then have a really healthy lifestyle as well i, I really like that because then you can keep it like really specific and relevant but you can also um you know like talk about on like a longevity spectrum as well mm. yeah I, I i yeah i think when it does boil down to it though as well it's also about i think excellent exercise selection is is a big component of it like choosing say like if you were trying to build maximal strength for someone choosing a single-legged variation versus a back squat is always going to pale in the ability to produce force. Yeah. Um, so I think that's also super important to be like, okay, well, what patterns do we really want to build strength in mm. for a functional long longevity over the next X amount of years? Um, and I think that also starts to frame what strength looks like. So for me, it's squat, yeah. squat hinge, upper body push, pull, um, maybe a carry, and like a yeah. lunge, probably missing one or maybe maybe some form of rotation. But in those seven patterns, like trying to get yeah. as strong as possible. Yeah, and, for sure. And slowly increasing strength in those things over time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of like the, the context to it, I suppose. What are some, like, what's the process look like if we're talking about, okay, we've kind of established this individual um, you know, we've got general strength goals. We kind of know what sort of patterns we want to look at um, or like tools we can use, but then like, what's the process look like for you to start that individual um, or like just, you know, to get, start them on their journey, like get them stronger kind of thing. Mm. I'm sure you're very much the same as just about choosing a point to start at. That's like somewhat relevant. It's never going to be the perfect point. Um, yeah but just deciding on something. So for example, it might be um, 
choosing to do a 12 week cycle of front squats and then just slowly incrementally increasing intensity and volume and changing different parameters so that there's some mm-hmm. form of progressive overload. Um, and that there are things like deloads and maybe potential different varieties in that lens of looking at the front squat. Um, yep. But yeah, just choosing a movement and then trying to slowly increase the capacity of that movement over time. Um, yeah. But I think that's the biggest thing. It's just, yeah, just choose a point to start with and then slowly, incrementally, progressively overload. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think another thing... <clears throat> that's good like a good place to start is looking at their training background as well like assuming that they've done some kind of training on absolute beginner but like looking at their training history and seeing what's worked for them before and Mm. um what hasn't worked for them and like how they've how they've sort of approached training or maybe if they've worked with a coach before like what was that relationship like like what kind of stuff did you guys try um how did you understand it like asking those kind of questions setting up the training history can be really useful um as a jump off point because then you're like okay we can see what this person responds to well what they don't respond to just kind of gives you like some some depth to the context of okay someone comes to you and they're like i want to get stronger like let's let's see where they've been already and like what their experience has been like up until this point and then you take it from that point and it's like hopefully getting them to a stronger point after that Mm. but yeah yeah I think a big point there as well is like most people, when you start to have those initial conversations, will have something that they want to get, that they enjoy doing or want to get stronger at. So for example, it might be, I really enjoy Olympic weightlifting. So the strength side of things is going to highly center itself around Olympic weightlifting, or it might be, I really enjoy gymnastics work. So it'll be orientated towards that, or um, I want to get stronger and I really like running, like running might be the thing. So it's like going to be mm. more relevant strength for the running um, yeah. side of things. But yeah, I think that a big factor there is like, well, like, what do you enjoy doing? Maybe the, the individual doesn't like barbells at all and wants to do body weight strength yeah. training. Um, and then still applying those same protocols, those same principles of just progressively, progressively overload, overloading that, those particular patterns um, yeah. with their interests in mind over time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess like that's where the specificity comes in, right? Like you got to mm. you got to keep things specific and yeah, like I think the progressive overload thing is kind of the driver for all, all training um in terms of like a- adapting at least like you know with something quite neurological like strength. Mm. Um so from there we're kind of like setting up a bit of a system, right? You talked about like deloads and earlier or you mentioned it rather um, what sort of structures do you like to put in place in terms of like setting up a bit of a system for someone in regards to like programming, like a deloads, like for instance, is that something you, um, like you use proactive deloads or reactive deloads or, um, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm on the reactive side of things. I would, I, yeah, I rarely, yeah, I rarely program one for myself or anyone that I'm working with. And it is kind of like Put yourself to the ground. <laughs> just wait till you hit that point, you're in a grave, and then you then you deload. Probably deload. <laughs> I'm dying. Oh, it's too late. Um yeah, I think that's it's it's like we adapt in such a dynamic way and we're very dynamic organisms. It's very hard to define exactly what that deload point is. I think you can still like mm have a rough guide and, and use some of the literature to decide when that deload would be. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've just never really jived with it. It hasn't really, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't work with the way I look at training. Yeah, man, I'm the same. I feel like a lot of the time when I've programmed deloads in like proactively, that, that is, it's like it either doesn't line up or like something's happened with that individual's lifestyle, like at some point through the program. I'm like, well, they probably they either don't need the deload or they need it earlier or later or something like that. So I think like our coaching process, at least like we're both pretty good at having that, you know, rapport with the individual and like that, that relationship where we can mm-hmm. um, understand where they're coming from and looking at the lifestyle factors and like, and make decisions based off that in terms of like, if they need a deload and man, it could even just be like, mentally, they're just like, fuck, I just need a break like from training or just, like, I want to do something different for a little bit. And like, that can yeah. be a really good way to put in a deload. So yeah. Yeah. It's like that thing where it's like, if you look at a lot of the strength literature around programming and stuff like that, like, it is a good, you know, it's good to follow some of those principles, but often it's like they're operating in a vacuum. So mm. life training gets in is the way normally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a lifestyle deload, I call it. Totally. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 So yeah. someone posted that the other day and I was like, that's so true. Like why program it when life's going to program it for you? Exactly. Yeah. Like you might yeah. as well just train like hard and push the barrier, not push the barrier, but like, be training intensely most of the time because you're going to get a week every so often that will just naturally be a, a deload. You won't be able to train as many times that week or you might yeah. miss yeah, two sessions kind of thing. Um, or you can kind of auto-regulate it. I know like maybe that's something that you yeah. can talk on, um, like some auto-regulation protocols that you'd use to, to decide when to go and when to pull back a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I really like auto-regulation, um, especially for strength training because it sort of allows um, that individual to input their training readiness into the, like it, it puts them in the right position most of the time to be at the appropriate intensity. The Some of the like downsides, I suppose, to that is like sometimes it can, like there's got to be like a relative scale. So it's got to be like if you're using like, like in simple ones, like using an RPE scale, so like rate of perceived exertion or something like that. Um, if you haven't anchored them to that, then, or sorry, if you haven't created an anchor for that, then sometimes that individual is drawing like a lot of their past experiences into that. And so that can be really different person to person. If you're, if you have someone with a background in like the military or something, and they're coming into a program that's auto-regulated with RPE Mm. and you're like, I want you to do an RPE nine or something like that. And they're like, holy shit. Like I'm about to die today. <laughs> like, Cause they're like, their ceiling is so high, right? Or they've been exposed yeah. to like, you know, training that might be, um, you know, more on the mental toughness side of things or whatever. And then you have someone who has like never trained before or yeah. you know, it's, it's like, it doesn't have a relative scale and they're like, and you see this all the time, right? Like people come to, to training and I'm like, and they, they're just like in this, you know zone for quite a while where they're just like not really pushing it mm. and then one day you're like what are you doing like do you want to put some more weight on and they're like oh yeah i think yeah. i will and Maybe I should like, do that yeah and then they're like every week for like the next seven weeks like pb a lift like it's crazy <laughs> so yeah time, hey? <laughs> yeah <laughs> man i even like it happened to me last week like someone i was like you should try and push it a bit harder like i just gave them that like sort of reference point again and they were like oh yeah and then it's kind of like and then like this week, like PB bench press or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, that's but funny. Yeah, you should know that. 
there's like a we were doing Agrit Maxes in class the other day, and yeah, like I don't know, I kind of sold it at the start. I was like, this is an eight rep max. This is the heaviest weight you can lift for eight repetitions. <laughs> and there was people in there just like the same weight across all sets. I was like, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> yeah. You not get the point. You should be bleeding out of your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> or if it's like a pyramid set where it's like ten, eight, six, four, two, or something, and it's like it's the, the same, same load. Oh, I'm like. <laughs> Either the 10 was like devastating and you had to like just pack it off or you just haven't been fucked to put any more weight on. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, to tie it back, I think, um, yeah, like with auto regulation, like it's really good, but you do need to have like a, a conversation around like mm. how to use it and, um, and have that anchor point. Um, so, you know, they kind of know what to aim for. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I, like, I've always loved auto-regulated stuff like when we work together. I really enjoyed that side of things. Um, but now like I'm getting back into a bit of weightlifting. I've been using percentages and not RPEs. Um, yeah. Mainly because it's a steam steam train express to a, a four-week out weightlifting comp that I gave myself four weeks to prepare for <laughs> and hadn't weightlifted for two years. Um, but I was like, okay, well, what weight do I want to try and hit? Okay, I'm going to give myself some percentages so that at least I'm honest yeah. to that. Um, yeah. Because I guess percentage work does create a lot of honesty. It really, yeah, it shows you a lot about um, how hard you potentially should be going. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think like percentage work works as well, right? Like in, in like, especially for your case, like you've got a, a four week block to peek yourself into a lifting comp, like, <laughs> Not that much time, but like, yeah, you can then you can work back from that and like yeah. pretty much precisely engineer like what you need to be hitting and how you can peak your nervous system into it. So yeah, hundred mm. percent. Like I, I I think um like I think for both of us we're pretty flexible with like what we need to what tools we need to use to get the right outcome. And I know mm. some coaches are like don't ever use percentages and some coaches yeah. are like up only use percentages, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, I don't I don't think that's the best really approach, but yeah, I think it's just like, yeah, it's looking at the scenario and like, what do we need to like, what adaptation we're trying to drive? Like, um, you know, what's, what's the best tool to use. And sometimes that's auto-regulation. Sometimes that's sticking to really strict um, percentage work. Sometimes it's used proactive deloads where you're, you are planning in that deload. Mm. Um, although, you know, probably we're more on the reactive side of things for that. And um yeah, sometimes just keeping things a bit more flexible. Yeah. What yeah. about um, like lifestyle factors? Like obviously calorie balance or energy balance, let's say, comes into play with that. But what kind of stuff do you typically talk about with people when you're getting them strong in terms of their lifestyle? Um, yeah, food's huge. I think like if, if someone is wanting to increase strength, the calorie surplus is essential. Um, whether that mean like you're tracking or you're just going off whether you're losing weight maintaining weight or gaining weight um or even just looking at the numbers as well like i generally if you're not making increases like increasing your food intake relative relative to what you've been eating is a useful strategy um yeah the other side of things would definitely just be the usual ones sleep um and then just general stress load like i think yeah, that's definitely that. underestimated how much that actually impacts your strength performance long term like if someone said, I want to get strong um, and build longevity, it's like, well, you're obviously looking at a long time frame. let's say 10 to 15 years plus. Um, yeah. Like even doing two sessions a week of strength training 
like with maximum recovery, you're going to get stronger in that time period. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I guess like if you're doing six sessions, cause you're thinking about how strong can I get in the next six to 12 months? And I've, I've fallen victim to that myself, like heaps. Cause you're trying to get heaps of work done, but you're not, um, you're not factoring in the rest of your stress load across the week. Um, and you might make good gains quickly and it might be, I feel like you're in the right direction, but you could potentially get better gains with doing far less work because um, you're thinking about the long game. You're thinking about the 10 to 15 year journey as opposed to the six to 12 month. Yeah, man, hundred percent. I think like, it's funny when you talk, like when someone, when you talk about someone like getting strong and yeah, for us, it's like, if we're talking about getting strong, it's like, yeah, it's over like a decade kind of thing. It's mm. like, that's building like long-term strength, but I think setting that up for someone like setting up the expectations, like, yeah, we can still get you better in a month, but really what we're trying to do is drive like really long-term performance and like get you performing, you know, at a really high level for a really long time, whatever that looks like. Mm. I think that really sets someone up for success and it really looks after them in terms of like setting up a a good system for them to, you know, be healthy long-term and still, you know, be really fit and strong kind of thing. Cause yeah, it's like all the time people are like, what am I doing in six months and or three months or a month kind of thing with training? But that urgency of like, I need to get results. I don't want to get results. Like, yeah, there is part of that, but like you've got to make sure that you're setting them up to play the long game. Otherwise, as you said, like you could be doing six, you could rush into like a six day a week and <clears throat> excuse me, burn yourself out mm. and then not be able to train for a month because your hormones are so messed up and your knees yeah. are fucked or whatever. And then, which we've both done, just mm-hmm. full disclaimer. <laughs> uh, we've been there multiple times. But then it's like, yeah, if you can just have a sustained, like if you can just like have a, a consistent program that you can do and execute really well with good quality yeah. over 10 years, like that individual is getting way stronger for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that's, the, that's the, the, the catch there. It's execute well. Like if, yeah. you, if you've got three opportunities to train during the week, like you've got... <laughs> So you could potentially do six to seven sessions, but you've chosen to do three. Like yeah. you're walking in there and they are really good sessions. Like you're like, yeah, for sure. You're also for sure. I'm more excited to train. I don't know. I find that like if I've only got a few sessions during the week, I'm like really excited about what's in them versus like, oh, I'm training again. Like this is yeah. Yeah, just not not fully there kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it just get you get a lot more quality out of it for sure. Mm. And also like, it's funny if you can get someone responding to like responding better in a sense that they're progressing quicker to less volume. Yeah. Why do more sense volume? Yeah. yeah. Then they're like, but then it's, it's funny. Cause there's some, sometimes people are like, no, I want to do more volume. Like I need yeah. to do more. And I'm like, but why? Like you've got more time in the week now to do other shit. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. And you're, you're making better progress. So yeah, yeah, the volume balance is interesting. And um, maybe that's another one we can go into on another time, but Mm. yeah finding the right volume for people obviously again this is in the con like you know this has got to be in the confines of what we're trying to do like if they are prepping for a competition or whatever then they need to be able to tolerate certain volumes right and maybe training six days a week for a certain period of time is appropriate Mm. Um, but and you know we can there's all obviously like you know we can do like high and low days as well like really high effort one day, really parasympathetic low effort the next day kind of thing. Like there's, there's different ways to set it up. We're not talking about training super hard all the time. Mm. So what would you say like out of that lifestyle wise, what would be like the main takeaways for long-term strength fans? 
I think, yeah, just like what we just touched on, like play the long game, first of all, like don't feel like you need to, you know, smash yourself all the time or like rush into it. Like yeah, it's better to to have that consistency. Like that's the number one thing that's going to to drive training adaptation. Um, and then, yeah, on the lifestyle side of things, certainly like sleep, hydration, nutrition, stress management, like all that kind of stuff. Ultimately, like if your system is too stressed already to, to, you know, if you're trying to deal with a lot of other extraneous stuff and then you're trying to make really good gains in the gym, like you got to deal with that stuff first and, Mm. um, you know, like there's got to be some system that you can manage. So you've got energy to put into the gym. Like I've had heaps of clients that come in and they're super stressed from work or whatever, rushing into the gym because they're trying to get their fitness in and it's like you're really in not a great position to mm. to make any progress so we've got to actually like get you down regulated again either through through some breath work or through some mobility work stretching whatever it is so we can then get some stress back into your system mm. through good stress which is the training mm. um and then yeah and the nutrition obviously it's individual with what the goals are like you know, if generally with strength training, I think it's better to be eating it at maintenance or at least a bit above. So you can have that mm. environment to, um, to push in the gym, I guess for, for both of us, we're probably talking mostly to people that are eating for performance. So yeah, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to fuel them for performance, right? We're not mm. really trying to, um, you know, diet them down for a bodybuilding show or whatever. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's like a, something that I've thought about more recently is well, like if growth is built into the system, even for health, like performance is the orientation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So most people should be eating, yeah, maintenance or surplus. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it's like it's free energy to use. Yeah, exactly. And I've noticed that heaps of times where like if I eat more, like, and you know, the literature backs this up as well. It's like you, you generally, if you eat more, you're going to be like moving more. Like, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. Funny if you bring you yeah. if you bring you take up, then typically your output just goes up anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. um, so it can actually be hard to put yourself in a surplus sometimes. But mm. yeah, it's I think a lot of it, yeah, in that regard is like it's energy management as well. It's like looking at the flow of energy and um, you know, like what are we eating? Like how can we support that? How can we build a really good relationship with food as well? And mm. um, you know, that helps support their performance and support their um, their training goals and obviously you know have a really lean healthy body as well like you know that's all part of it when you when you have a really good functioning system that drives good training yeah yeah um, the last thing I just want to add is um, and this is probably more if you don't work with a coach or you're not following something structured is record and monitor your training and progress yeah 100% See, that's like such a big so, so simple but like I see so many people not make progress just because they're not following Like they're not aware of where they are in their journey and they're not moving yeah. in any direction and recording what they're doing. Um, it's just sporadic yeah. or it's not accounted for kind of thing. Um, mm. like, like if someone records their training for 10 years, like you're not going to turn back to the first page 10 years ago and go, well, shit, I'm lifting the same weight if you're looking at it. <laughs> Hmm, that yeah. barbell back squat is still just at the barbell. Great job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I think that can, that's a really good catalyst to get yourself really dialed in as well. It's because if you've mm-hmm. got that trained out of there, one, it like makes you more present with what you're doing because 
you're not thinking about other shit, like you're recording what you're doing. You're like, you know, thinking about how you can progress it. And also you can come back to it later as well. If you're mm. like the thing with strength as well. And like, this is what like kind of is a bit like magic about it. It's like, it lasts for a long time. Like, totally. like if you get someone really strong, like that sets them up for life. Like hundred percent. Yeah. That's what's so cool about it. Like we talk about sporting performance and like being really elite with different barbell stuff. Like, like you're doing your barbell, like, like lifting comp pretty soon, like weightlifting meat and, um, and all that shit's really cool. Like it's high performance, but also like you're going to be strong for a long fucking time. Like even if you don't do that much, like mm. you retain strength really well. So mm. yeah, it keeps people really healthy as well. Totally. Sick. Anything else to add? Nah, it's a pretty, like the, the concept and idea of strength could be very broad, but I think, that at least provides some structure around what long-term strength gains would require and what it looks like. Um, yeah. Maybe we could talk another time, like, yeah, what constitutes strength training? Like, what is that? What different, different methods and um, variables are actually in that when we're talking specifically about strength? Um, yeah. yeah. I think that was, that was pretty good. Get into the nuts and bolts. Yeah. Sweet, man. That's how to get strong. Boom.